you want to expand your mind, change your perspective, and connect deeper with yourself and others, then you're at the right place. I'm Julian, your host, and I want to connect with other human beings and talk about the deep things in life and explore their personal experience. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new episode. And today I want to present you a very, very special and for me, very interesting person I met in Thailand. And just to give you a very short intro, uh, his name is Tom and Tom has been living in Thailand since 1992, where he's found his life path of teaching, healing and seeking inner truth. If that doesn't sound intriguing and interesting, I don't know. And that's basically the, the, the energy, the feeling that I got when meeting him. So as you obviously know, Tom, we met in uh, Thailand in a tiny cafe in a vegetarian or vegan restaurant. And it was just immediately um, captivating to the way you spoke about energy, the way you spoke about Reiki. And so it was a no-brainer that I would ask you to get onto the podcast and ask you a couple of questions. So I'm really glad that worked out now, you being in the morning on, on Tuesday and me in, on Monday in the evening, 12 hours apart. I'm really, really happy that, that this, this worked out also with all the technology. So welcome and thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, Julian. And of course, it was great to meet you guys. And uh, I guess that was about February of this year. And, That's true. you know, living here in Chiang Mai, so many people pass through town. You get used to heaven. I don't, I don't mean one night stands. I don't mean in that sense. You, just, you make a friend, you have a great dinner together, you talk, you laugh, you have a hug. It's like now you're in different continents and you probably never meet again. So when you wrote to me, I was like, I sort of remember this guy. Look at your picture and you mentioned Upen and Abu, some of our mutual friends. But, oh, oh, it was the guy we had dinner with. And uh, I, I remember talking about different things and you know, eating a great meal and having some good laughs. And so to see you again on, on the video here and, and by telephone, like, wow, great, great connection. Yeah, such a, such a short moment that we had to talk about some experiences. And that turned out to uh, intercontinental uh, call or friendship. That's amazing. Here we are. Yeah. Good to see you. And one of the main points that intrigued me the most was the way you was you were talking about, uh, as you said, like seeking for inner truth and inner wisdom right. through Reiki, through life force energy, and a couple of other terms that it could use instead. I think you also said like universal energy, cosmic energy, or prana, and all the terms sort of point in a similar direction to some sort of energy that we have. And that was very, very intriguing. I had some ideas of it, some ideas of Reiki, but not that deep into it. And so you described it also as a like tool for personal development and healing, which was fascinating to me. I didn't really see it as such. So then like, how would you describe that in your own terms, maybe just so we have some sort of, of general definition of it? Well, we might start like this. We are energy, which is rather different from saying I have energy in my hands or I have energy in my chakras. We are the energy. 
any any living thing, any living being has an energy. Call it what you will, whether you call it Reiki or bioplasmic force or argon. Uh, going back to the ancient Greeks, they had different words and concepts for this, that a living being is an energetic being. So Reiki, as practiced today, is simply you, you focus that energy through intention what or where you want it to go. Not exactly what you want it to do, because I'm not saying you can control it, but you can, you can guide it. For example, if somebody has a headache, you can say, you can set the intention, let this energy work to heal this person's headache. Please go to the root cause. Now, what that root cause is, it could be somewhere in Peru or something in the person's belly, but it's causing a headache. And so the energy will follow to the source of the problems. So maybe a good way of describing it, it's like a, uh, an energetic immune system. Wrap your head around that, right? But I thought my immune system was like T cells and white blood cells. Well, it is, but it's also energetic. And when I say energetic here, I mean psychological, spiritual, emotional. Mm -hmm. So it works like an immune system for us. That um, maybe already immediately off topic or in, into experiences. Uh, I like that a lot. That's description of the immune system, because whenever I, I notice that recently more and more often, the more I meditate and the more sensitive I get, the more I also notice when I walk through very busy streets, through very crowded places and or places with like negative energies like casinos or, or other places where people are just like mindlessly walking around and 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 are not aware then I notice like my energy gets sort of taken away or it's like very, a lot more difficult for me to focus on things. And so now you're describing it as the immune system is like, oh yes, if there's too much, like let's say cells that are attacking you, viruses or something like that as in, now in form of negative uh, energy, that makes a lot of sense that uh, it's usually protecting you, but cannot always do it. That's beautiful. Yes. And, and this ties in, like you said, you do a lot of meditation, same for me. And so uh, my example would be like if I'm in Bangkok, I go down mm. to Bangkok once, once a year or so, and I used to live there. And I'd come home and my wife would always say, well, you, you smell like, like um, Sukhumet Road. I'm like, go have a shower. It wasn't the smells of the city. It was the energies of the city. You would just come home feeling drained. Even though you had fun with your friends, you had a great big vegan meal. It was great. Wonderful laughs and everything. But you still come home. I, I feel so drained because I was on the train with, you know, 200 other passengers, all of whom are overworked, stressed, only one or two percent meditate. So everybody's under pressure. It creates an energy field around them and we pick that up because of our sensitivity and you need to wash it off either using reiki doing something that would be called um sweeping you would sweep your hands through your energy field mm -hmm. but in a, in a more standard way just a cold shower a long or a hot shower depending on your climate a nice long shower and and you feel fresh again you you literally wash those energies away 
And when you mentioned the city, the opposite is true. When, when students come out here, I'm out about 40 kilometers from Chiang Mai in Northern Thailand. And people from the city come out here and they immediately go, wow. And, and for me, I think, hey, it's just a bunch of trees and flowers. It's no big deal. Yeah. But the urban dwellers are like, no, 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 Tom, you don't understand. It's like, no, no, I understand. There's a great energy here. It's just we are embedded in it. We are just, it's just our life. That's why we moved out of the city into the country, because of the continuous flow of positive energy around here. I totally get it. We were also yeah. traveling through then Bangkok, also like city center of Chiang Mai, and now again, Lima, Peru. And it's just, it is, as you said, just draining to be in those big populated places and areas, at least to me, as, as you said, like with with getting more and more sensitive to things then you notice when it's draining you so it's it's quite interesting that we're now drawn also to like okay let's see let's go to couscous already smaller and then to maybe a smaller site village somewhere from there still a good internet connection but like further away <laughs> from from the main source of attention or or tourism or something like that yeah, yeah. brilliant uh, a couple of things that come to mind here is when we say we are energy, well, everything is energy. So mm. Bangkok is an energy and London, New York, Berlin, they are energies. You and your partner, my wife and I, we are energies, the mountains, the hills, the rivers. And so these energies are always uh, intermingling and mixing. And with sensitivity, we can feel that. A, a real simple example on how to feel it. You walk into a train, which is about half full. Okay, there's 50 seats, about 25 people in there. And somehow we, we, have, we, not, we know we have to sit next to somebody. And we're not judging it all, tall person, short person, beautiful. We're actually feeling the energy of this person has a good energy. I'll sit next to him or her. Yeah. And somebody with a negative energy. Okay, maybe we see their brow is furled or they look unclean. Okay, maybe we would choose that. But we automatically, that automatically, we intuitively pick up the energy of other people all the time. And mm -hmm. we intuitively pick up energies uh, in cities, in countryside, in restaurants. An example here of what you're saying about going to Cusco. My wife and I go, go into a restaurant somewhere, and I would always be the one who had to choose the table and the seat. And she thought, well, I'm just being, you know, so so macho. I have to choose. Like, no, this table, the energy is terrible. And this table, the energy is good. And the light signs are good. And, mm. and I find about, I don't know, 30, 40, 50% of my friends are the same way. They also need to choose. So then we, we mutually say, okay, we're both comfortable here. And that okay. is the sensitivity you mentioned five, uh, five minutes ago. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But it at least like immediately comes to my mind, like, why are you training then this sensitivity when it's like blocking you from like, or making you aware of so many things that, that are um, making you behave in different ways that like, oh, you're so sensitive now that you cannot even sit on this place because it has a weird energy. Isn't that restricting? That is excellent. And let me lead right into what if I change the word to truth mm -hmm. instead of 
sensitive to energy, say, aware of the truth. Now, if I can hypnotize you, go to work, earn your money, spend your money, pay your bills, buy some more, eat some poison, toxic, dead foods, go to work, earn some money, buy some things. Most people in the world are hypnotized into this and enforced also through mass media, through governments, the massive power they have on our energy fields, on our worldviews. So when you turn off your internet or your television or your, your various social medias and you become aware of nature is, wow, that's a pretty flower, or oh, that's a cute little cat, or it's so fresh here. And yes, you become more sensitive, more sensitive to the truth of who and what we are, which is, I, I, I can't define that. I'm nowhere, nowhere near that level of defining it, but it would be something like love or kindness or compassion or purity, that we have such potential, so much capacity for goodness, but we are being drawn into society. And we have since birth, since our parents' birth, probably since your grandparents' birth, if you take a date of the uh, radio came out, let's say around 1930, I don't know the fact. Television, I'm out, my mother used to say, television entered her home 1953. And now looking back, it's like, oh, so that's when they started the brainwashing program. For, your, for my generation, we grew up in the TV era. And so you, spent, you were hypnotized by television. Mm-hmm. And for your own generation, it was probably more the internet era. So you, you know, hypnotized by the social medias or the video platforms that are available. So we become sensitive to the truth that this restaurant has a bad energy. This street in this city has a really bad energy. This park has a great energy. This person is loving and kind. I, we, we can feel that when mm-hmm. we're aware of the truth. The truth is the energy. The energy is the truth. I love that answer. Yes. Like it was obviously like a bit confronting question, but it just still sometimes pops up into my mind. It's like, okay, I'm I'm working now so much on my sensitivity and now I get all the lashback of, oh, now you feel drained after just going the train. It's like, oh, before that didn't happen. <laughs> before that was just normal. <laughs> So, but it's 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 really I think good to be aware of that. That yes, you can train the sensitivity part, but it also has some side effects, right? In the daily big city life, At right, Julian. Yeah. Yes, yes, and that's part of the practice. Is as we become more sensitive, we also need to learn how to handle our increased sensitivity. And a lot of students will, will come and they'll say, oh, I went to the uh, hospital to visit somebody and I felt so sick. I went, uh, and you, you mentioned the casino. I often mentioned uh, as travelers, we're always at immigration. Mm-hmm. I get so stressed out at immigration. And it's because everybody else is so stressed out. And so we need to know that, okay, there are some things you can do. The quickest is you, I have to think in Thai for a moment, because I teach this in Thai language so often. In Thai, it's gum note tao, which means focus your energy on your feet. Mm, okay. And you do that even as we're speaking. 
you focus mm-hmm. your energy down on your feet, it immediately grow, or no, not immediately, within about 20 or 30 seconds, you'll feel more grounded. So let's say we're at immigration and there's a hundred people arguing with those beloved immigration officials that we all love. We get grounded and we start, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I see. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Because I'm no longer, the energy is no longer in my mind, which wants to beat up that person or just you know mm. blow up the building because they're so exasperating. But when the energy is focused on at the feet, it's like like plugging in an electrical appliance. It gets grounded. There's no, there are no longer free electrons flowing everywhere. It's very calming. The trick is to do this immediately upon feeling it. So yeah. you have to go to the shopping mall for, for some chore, some errand, and you think, oh, God, this shopping mall. Bring your mind, your energy down to your feet. Okay. And then within a moment, your, your attention comes to your breathing because we're meditators. So we, we through it's practice, natural. we naturally yeah. right, come back to the breathing. A third step is for people who are more visually oriented is I'll suggest that they make a halo or a cocoon of, let's say, white light surrounding Mm -hmm. all around them. You've probably seen pictures or images of this before. Yeah. And you visualize that just for a moment and you say, "Okay, I know it's an energy that's not so positive, but I'm prepared. I can deal with it. I'm grounded. I'm mindful. I have a. You can call it imagination if you want or visualization. I would call it intention. Mm-hmm. It's an intention of, call it white light all around. It's not a wall. I'm not locking myself in my room and hiding from some mysterious disease. I'm just putting a, a white intention around me that my love and kindness can still flow out. Love and kindness can still flow to me. But anything negative, anything stressful, anything dying or involving violence, it can't touch me. I've set the intention to be clean and pure and grounded. That's a beautiful tip. Yeah, I immediately notice when putting the energy to the ground, I usually only go and bring it to the belly. Like everything just out of the mind helps me already instantly. But uh, the feet is, is great, especially because when you walk somewhere, it's easy to focus on the feet because they have uh, movement, they have contact points, like things are there to notice easier than maybe just the movement of the belly that's that small. So it might be easier. That's cool. I'll definitely try that, especially here in Lima. Yeah, yeah. And it resonates well. If you think about some of the uh, native peoples, let's take the native uh, North American peoples, you know, being barefoot, they will say, yeah. you know, they're barefoot to be well-grounded. Tai Chi, Tai Gek, Chi Gong, they're all very involved with one's uh, contact points to mm-hmm. the point they'll talk about nine points of contact from the feet to the ground. In Buddhist meditation, you have walking meditation. Mm-hmm. Where you are, you know, raise your foot, stepping forward, laying down your foot. Yeah. All of are very, very good practices. But for my own practice and in a big city or the shopping mall, I simply I just bring my mind down to my feet. Okay. And, and think about this yeah. too. The distance from your your 
brain or your mind, if the mind is here, not sure, but from the brain to the feet is approximately uh, two meters. But the brain to the belly is only about 70 or 80 centimeters. I don't know how much that matters, but by going the extra the extra meter, yeah. you're, you're really setting the intention to get out of your head and into your body. So this resonates with a lot of body awareness meditations, mm-hmm. whether you do uh, body scanning or feeling the sensations. There are many, many different traditions. But that puts the, the mind into the body. And the body is in the present moment. My feet are always present. Mm. But my mind is a time traveler. I'm traveling to the future. I'm traveling to the present. I'm traveling to time that does not exist. But the feet, you look down, they're very present always. Yeah, fair. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. And I I felt... We already jumped super deep now into Reiki and the the topics, which I love. But I think it's also really important to go a little, a couple of steps back just to see where did you get this experience and knowledge from? And you already gave me a little insight and uh, some information that uh, back in 2004 and 2005, you already went on a journey. And I would love to go a little bit into that. So you described you were uh, in South America and especially there had a lot of um, vivid experiences. Would you like to share a couple of those maybe insights or things that you experienced there and how that sort of shaped now the way you talk and think and feel about uh, um, energy? Sure, Julian. And, And let me... Back up before the South America trip, I was in in Bangkok, long-term in Bangkok, and having various problems in life, depression and anxiety and stress, and life was just not good. I was, I guess I was in my mid-40s at that time. Mm. And, you know, talking to counselors and one guy, like a shaman of sorts, you know, who could read energies and help me out. And I, somebody at at that uh, that meeting mentioned Reiki to me. This was in the... um, probably the middle of 04. And so I looked online. I started like, I've never heard of it. I, it's the kind of thing I don't believe in. I was like, yeah, yeah. right. I'm like, okay. It sounds really, really nice. But I looked into it and I thought, you know what, you know, maybe I need something. And, and, uh, and so I found my first teacher in, in Bangkok. That was November of uh, 2004. And, and in that time, I studied for a, a month or two, something like that on Sundays. Yeah. And it was so palpable. It was so tangible. What I was feeling, something I didn't actually, I won't say I believed or disbelieved. I was looking for something. And the changes that were happening within my body, uh, one was my, my arms and legs were like kicking and thrashing like I was possessed. Like, what is inside of me? Wow. Is, I, like, I'm thinking like a madman. I'm like, excuse me, what the hell is this? And now the memory comes back. I started cursing that I, I don't want to put on, on audio or video. Just it's, like it's I was okay. cursing it. Something is like, fuck you, fuck you. Get the fuck out of Fuck you. And it's like, am I possessed? This is weird, weird, way beyond my, my I'm, you know, very orthodox. I grew up in Midwestern United States. You know, ghosts don't exist. You know, that's only in the movies. 
and I'm sitting there kicking and shaking without suggestion. Nobody said, Tom, this may happen. It just started happening, happening. And then afterwards, I was really calm. And, and within the half hour, I'm like, excuse me, I need to sit down in, in the toilet. And oh, my God, the gas that came out. I mean, OK, this is not the most pleasant subject. But when <laughs> we're talking about healing, we talk about all bodily functions. And I must have sat there. It seemed like for an hour. It's just that embarrassing. That was inside of me. And it's not just the gas or the diarrhea that was inside of me. That was all emotional. I had no physical problems. A very, very healthy. You know, I was a regular exerciser, meditator. I was vegetarian at the time. So physically very strong. So this exorcism and this diarrhea was all of a either spiritual, emotional, psychological nature. And it just purified. And it's like, wow, that was real. I don't care how many scientists tell you, well, mm. you need a peer-reviewed uh, uh, periodical to prove it. Like, no, you don't. You need an experience like that to say, my God, that was real. Mm. Now, it calmed down after that. It was just that one real intense burst of energy. And that was my inspiration to say, I'm onto something here. I've learned about something really important. Yeah. I moved on to a, a second teacher. And the first time I received energy by distance, which also I didn't really believe. I figured yeah. you had to be with the person. And uh, this woman's name was Carol from South, uh, Carol Knox from South Africa, a great woman. And she was my second Reiki teacher. And she called one night and she goes, Tom, you're so out of sorts. I go, oh, God, Carol, I have so many troubles right now. She goes, let me send you some Reiki. I'm like, uh, okay. And I don't remember where she was at the time. I was in Bangkok. And so we scheduled 10 o'clock my time. By 10.01, I'm feeling this tingling in my feet and my knees. I'm like, no, that's my imagination. It's like, all of a sudden, my stress is lifting. All of a sudden, I'm really calm. Like, what is going on? She's, I think actually she went on the other side of town. Mm. I, what's going on? What's going on? And I just, I just felt sure. I was like, it's real. Now, any skeptics in your audience, any skeptics around the world who love to be skeptical, great. That is your vocation. Be skeptical. But I've experienced it. The skeptic will say, well, that's a placebo. You're just deluding yourself. You cannot scientifically, scientifically prove it. In which case, the other part of me would say, you can take your scientific proof and stick it up your ass. Because I have experienced these changes, not knowing, not expecting anything. Hmm. And we can prove this point is when you give Reiki to children, in most cases, they really chill out. And of course, a child at two years old has no concepts, has no wishful thinking. That, oh, this old bearded guy is going to put his hand on, on my heart or on my, on my crown. And then I will suddenly be better because I believe in the, because of the placebo effect. It's real. So moving forward, uh, eventually I left Bangkok. I was still having some troubles, but I was on this path, this deep truth, uh, search for truth and peace 
and some stability in my life and you yeah. know, already being vegetarian, meditating, doing Reiki. I thought, you know, I'm still not finding it deep enough. And for whatever reason, like you today sitting in Lima, Peru, I took a one-way flight from, not directly from Bangkok. I made many stops on the way, but my destination was Lima in, um, I got there in, I need to think my memory just a little bit, 2nd of July, 2006. Oh, wow. I have a pretty good memory. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah, I, I don't remember exact. Oh, wait, it's 2nd of July. <laughs> I'm pretty Spectrum. sure that was okay. And uh, my destination was actually Cusco, as you mentioned, but you know, mm-hmm. for international flights coming into Lima. Yeah. And then um, from Lima, I took an overnight bus down to Cusco, joined a meditation course. Uh, after the course, I met a few people. And of course, everybody was into meditation already. A lot of us were already vegetarian or vegan. Yeah. And several people were new Reiki or they were interested in Reiki. And so suddenly I said, well, I, I've learned. I've been practicing by that time. It had been, uh, let's say, a year, year and a half. I'd known and been practicing some Reiki with myself and some friends. Yeah. And I started doing healing work with people. And like, wow, this is interesting. Now I, I'm no longer working at university with my full-time job in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. I'm now just a freelance uh, uh, hippie, as it were, a middle-aged hippie, you know, just traipsing through South America. And, and where the real experience came as a healer is that I lived in a, in a village outside of Cusco. If I remember correctly, it was an hour by share taxi in a town called Urubamba. Which is oh, the name of the of river it. that runs? Yeah, yeah. Ur- Urubamba is the river that runs through the Sacred Valley. Mm, and I yes. ended up with, how should I say, like a house sitting gig there, where mm-hmm. I looked after a man's house. We had five dogs and two or three cats. There was a cow on the property, a million honeybees. And I was sort of the caretaker of the smaller, of the cats and the dogs. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, I need to do something with my time. I can't just sit here and pet the dogs all day. And uh, I came across a couple of uh, foundations. One was called Mosuk Runa, which mm-hmm. translates as new humanity in, um, I can't think of the language, Quechuan maybe. The, the local language of the indigenous people in that part of Peru, I think it's Quechuans. Okay. And so Mosuk Runa is that language. And a lot of indigenous people there. In, in, uh, throughout Peru and especially in the Sacred Valley. Mm-hmm. And the woman who ran the place, a woman named Ada, I believe she was from Croatia. She had set up this <laughs> children's home. So talk about you know, a whirlwind yeah, of random things. from Croatia setting up a children's home. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And she set up this children's home. She had, let's say, 20, 25 children from four to about 16 or 17. And either they were, they had no parents or they had abusive or alcoholic parents. Mm -hmm. They spoke Spanish and Spanish only. I spoke English and Thai. And in Spanish, I could say, como se dice? Uh, Como se llama? Um, De donde? That was about it. What is it? What do you call it? Where are you from? I mean, I knew like a dozen words in Spanish. Yet, when I gave Reiki to these kids, then I, I talked to Adish, and she luckily knew about Reiki, mm-hmm. and she agreed that I could come 
I don't remember now, once or twice a week. Yeah. And I would do two or two or three of the kids. And she would say, okay, um, Rodrigo has a lot of anger problems. And um, I, I think maybe Karen was the other girl's name. It's too long ago to remember all those names. But one by one, they started chilling out and relaxing. And it good confirms it's not placebo. Your kids have no idea what Reiki is, and I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. But these kids just start chilling out. Sometimes there'd be an occasional tear coming mm. down their eye. They'd fall asleep. They'd start having dreams. And uh, one really cute girl, she was like four at the time. And I remember after the healing session, I made rainbows around her. Okay. When I, when I mentioned the, the, the white cocoon around her, for, for this girl, I read red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, circles all around her. Yeah. As a protective, I could see she was a tormented young kid, no four-year-old, nobody should have so much pain and suffering in their lives. So I brought all this color in as part of like the color of Reiki therapy. Mm. When she awoke and, and Ada came in to help translate, and the first thing she says is, I had a dream. I was with my friends and we were flying through the stars and I saw this rainbow. And I thought, no way, no way i'm sitting here imagining rainbows in english and this little girl is visualizing them in her dreams in spanish of course this is just coincidence everybody totally right? just yes. it's happened so many times i mean hundreds and hundreds of times i i don't mean the exact same scene it's just you know picking up what people are thinking or what they're feeling or knowing about a person's name it's just this information comes like i'm no psychic i'm no mind reader but suddenly i seem to be tapping into what other people are knowing or feeling or thinking and so this led to a, a practicing you know, of hundreds of these kids uh, i would this went on for four or five months so you know do the yeah. math how many healings i did eventually i i left peru i was feeling drained uh, Peru, I love Peru. It'd probably be my second choice of places to live, but it was draining me. And I mm -hmm. thought, I, I, uh, for cultural, socioeconomic reasons, I, I need to, and I needed a visa. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, you know, I'm going to head down to Bolivia for a while and then down to Argentina. It should be an easier going socio cultural situation. And, and, uh, if you're familiar with all the yeah, you're familiar with the southern yeah. part of South America. Yeah. You leave Bolivia and you are enter Argentina at um I don't know if that's Jujuy or Salta, somewhere in um the northern border of Argentina with Bolivia. Okay. And you are entering a totally different world. I, I love them all, actually. Peru, Bolivia is amazing. Argentina is cool. Argentina, did I say that? Argentina, Argentina. is cool. Right. And it was just so much easier going, you know, mm. great big air conditioned, comfy recliner seats on the bus. It's like, you know, we're in Peru, you, you'd be, you know, share a taxi with six people, two chickens and a dog. 
and well, you get to Argentina, uh, well, and you're like, but wow, also thinking, is... wait, that was 2004 or five? This, uh, this would be six. Oh, 2006. Would be, yeah. I got to Peru the 2nd of August in 06 and then left there in early 07. Around about by the 10th of January in 07, I arrived mm -hmm. in Argentina because it's it's several days travel. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I stayed a few places in Peru, several places in Bolivia before I hit Argentina early 07. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. That must have been a journey. Like the, the whole yeah, in South American uh, traveling and sort of developing and exploring your Reiki within you, the, the whole energy. You were like, oh, you start to believe and notice how how it affects you and how it affects other people how did like in that sort of time shifted your mind your idea of what energy is maybe also the the, the idea of how the world works is that i remember was for me quite a big shift like noticing okay there's energy and this might actually be the underlying force of everything that's happening was was something like that for you happening as well well, that's a big question. I mean, try to take it. Um, uh, things were already changing because I've been meditating for a long time. I'd already been living abroad for, you know, probably 15, 20 years by that time. So my worldview had already greatly changed back in the 90s. So, you oh, know, I okay. passed through that. Uh, I left uh, Chicago in 92. So it's 15 years I'm living outside of my birth country. So, so already I'm, you know, a very different political, economic, cultural perspective on things. In terms of energy, well, our Argentina was easier going and I was meeting a lot more people, fellow travelers, and we spoke English together and I could start doing Reiki work with them. So now I could actually communicate about these experiences. Okay. So, so there's, there's more of a mature intellectual understanding of things. And realizing, uh, I'll challenge one word that you use, uh, the word belief. Mm -hmm. And it's like, <laughs> you don't need to believe anything. Well, once you know it, once you know it, you don't need to believe in it. And when you know it so tangibly, so physically, mentally, spiritually, in yourself, and then you see it in dozens of kids and dozens of adults. It's like there is something so real happening here, which starts challenging the whole um, physical materialist worldview, which I would often call like a fundamentalist materialist view, mm -hmm. which would mean it's all matter and it can all be measured by human perception or by human instrumentation. It's almost a religion. It is so fundamentally, fundamentally materialist that there would be a denial. And so, so I no longer debate this with things. If, if people don't believe this, like fine. If you don't believe, fine, we don't need to talk. Let's, let's talk about the coffee. I'm not into the debating thing. You know, I, I, will, I will, you know, debunk it a little bit, you know, just, just for fun because that's the world that we live in. But if somebody came up and challenged me, I'm like, I don't have the energy, pun intended, mm -hmm. to debate this with somebody. If you haven't experienced it, I'm not going to sit here and try to persuade you. What I can say is this. If you want a little 
proof is that you are alive. What is it that makes you alive? Now you can reduce this to um, a sperm cell and an egg or my organs or the oxygen or the water. Like, yeah, yeah, all that is matter. And I agree with all those things, but there's a spark, the spark of life. That if, if you take somebody and you stop their oxygen for 90 seconds, and then you give them oxygen again, or whatever, let's say three minutes, three minutes without oxygen. You stop the oxygen, and then you turn the oxygen back on again. Now you have all the elements. There's water, there's earth, there's fire, there's body, there are organs, but there's also no life. Life is something beyond the elements and it's a spark it's a gift from where it comes i don't really know we could we could philosophize on that for the next hundred thousand years if you like my battery will run low <laughs> there is a spark of life and this is the awareness that was coming up in the time in south mm. america up to the present moment as a as a farmer in Northern Thailand, growing organic fruits and vegetables, I'm very concerned with the life force in, in my coconut trees, in my uh, rambutan trees, my mango trees, and in, in, in my fingers, in my heart, in my words, yeah. in, in the gaze of my eyes. All of that, there's so much more than just the, the, the physical material part. Yeah, just the way you communicate, the way I perceive the words, it's not just the words, it's, it's even through camera, through audio, there is some energy that you bring with you, that you sort of contribute to the to the vibe of, of our conversation, like where the energies are touching. And I think I've, I found it also like amazing that you use that example of the life force energy when we... The, the spark you said the, the spark of life because i also recently like got uh, got the idea of some sort of i think science youtube video that i watched and it was breaking down all individual steps of how a human works so all my to my how's it called mitochondrion cells that produce the energy yeah. and uh like we, we we know how each individual cell works each atom right. in them but we cannot make it out what makes it alive. What is the thing that gives it sort of consciousness? Like that's another whole other level, but just oh, from like God. the dead cell yes. towards a living cell or a living being, we have no clue what the, what, what makes <laughs> it thing suddenly become alive or then even later, if you look then from, okay, it's alive, but what makes it conscious? What's the thing that gives it this, the, the ability to actually, be aware of its own being. That's another thing. It was like, okay, this is the same wow. principle almost. Yeah. We have no clue how to get from A to B. Yes. And, and this is where God comes in because I don't know what the percentage of people in the world who believe in God, but it's, it's a huge number of people believe in God or they would probably respond, no, Tom, I know God. I'm cool. I'm okay with that. But for me, I, I don't, believe in that i don't know god as a, as a being as a force resonates okay say okay i can understand that if it is mm -hmm. a being if god is a being brilliant 
It's just something that I personally don't know and I have not experienced. I'm totally open to it. But if there is that kind of a God, God has not communicated to me in that way. I experience all this as energies and as intuitions, as insights, as eureka, where you suddenly, how do I know that? Where do those words come from? Why do I have consciousness? Why do I exist? Oh, yeah, those are God's questions typed into your program. Okay, that may satisfy millions, billions of people. And that's wonderful. And I can sit with all of them and have a great conversation, even though I don't actually have the exact experience of the being. But if we take the notion of God as a being aside for just a moment, and we come back to how does that little cell with its mitochondria produce energy? And it has an energy field. So if the cell is, let's say, um, I don't know how big a cell is. Let's say one millimeter, or smaller than that, I know. Then the energy field might be, let's say, 10 times that around it, which can be measured. It can be a photograph using something like early in photography, which, which goes back 60 some years. And I'm sure there's higher technology now. I'm not familiar with all of it. Uh, coming out of, of Russia, I know they've been big on this for, for probably two or three generations now. Mm. So you can measure that. Uh, it's usually called an aura or an astral body, which is, uh, in, in the conversation we're having, would be the Reiki energy, the living life force. So when we think about that energy, which is inside of your cells, it's part of your mitochondria, it's also part of Reiki. It's that, well, what is it? I can tell you what it does, where it goes. How it goes. Yeah, but what is it? Mm. Silence. I don't exactly know. And this makes me think that the total absolute truth, silence. <laughs> For the thousands of philosophers and the hundreds of thousands of books of philosophy, the answer, the truth, is in the silence, not in the noise. By noise, I mean human thought, mm -hmm. human analysis, all the distractions. Even in the meditator's mind, we still think, oh, tomorrow I need to go to the shop. And oh, yesterday, you know, something happened to me and you know, I have problems with my roof. You know, we have all our human concerns. But when you get those distractions down zero or close to zero and all you have is silence and you realize you silently realize that's what I am and I use I parenthetically silence not the noise the silence is the truth not all of our analysis our thinking I have a master's degree in this a bachelor's degree in that I'm a certified A, B, C, X, Y, Z, yada, yada, yada. The silence is what we are. The spark of life, the spark of Reiki, the energy itself, the essence of God, it's all silence. Damn it. <laughs> 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 and my mind is all the time but 
but how can I explain? What does it mean? How can I really <laughs> understand it? But I need to know in order to understand. <laughs> That's the yeah. only thing I came up. <laughs> That's yes. the the fun and, part and of the, it. Yeah. Yeah. And think about how we were trained. Let's go back to sort of a, a cultural analysis here. At four or five years old, you and I and all of our audience went to school. And we learned to think. We did our math. We learned our first language, maybe a second language. Uh, we used to, to draw, to write. Maybe by eight, uh, eight years old, we probably learned a little bit about science, H2O, things like that. By nine years old, we were learning, okay, Berlin is the capital of Germany and uh, Norway is the capital of Oslo, etc. You learn that kind of stuff and you become worldly, but you're all up here. But teachers don't say, okay, let's practice meditation. Maybe today they do in some of the alternative schools like the Waldorf or there's another um, a German tradition along those lines. It's all, I, I want to say Schubacher, but may, maybe that's not correct. I actually don't. Uh, know. Let's say Waldorf, because because that yeah, one I'm yeah. quite sure. Yeah, most people know. where the kids do meditate. They're given uh, plant-based meals. No animals are consumed. No animal products are consumed. Instead of learning how to read and write, the kids are going out learning how to collect seeds from a daisy, or how to plant cucumber seeds, and how much to give them water, and how to climb a tree, and how to fly a kite. It's like, well, those are life skills, real human skills. So you look at our education system, I'm pretty sure this is global. I don't know anywhere it's other than this, is that you are taught to be in your head. So you know very little about silence unless you're in trouble and say, Julian, you've been a bad boy. Sit in the corner silently. You can't talk to your friends for an hour, which is probably the best education you get because you're learning to meditate like, uh. (laughs) So our education system just totally distracts us from our essence yes i can totally feel that yeah the essence is within of course we need an education system of course i can do math and i can read and i can play music and i speak a a foreign language and i and i i know where you know scandinavia is at yeah yeah i know all that stuff it's cool it helps me function as a social being criticize that statement it turns you into a zombie like like i I was teasing earlier go to work earn money buy more consumer goods do some alcohol or drugs get sick buy some pharmaceuticals go to the hospital give all your money to the doctors get better go back to work earn some more money perfect system sleepwalking or zombies or hypnotize i quite like this word hypnotize because it doesn't sound so venal you know brainwashing mm-hmm. sounds like oh uh, yeah they're gonna they're gonna do this like well it is brainwashing but it's a simple hypnosis simply watching the media for for three hours murder murder death murder murder fire death war Woo! i think i just hypnotized myself just, just it's all doing it yourself. <laughs> Oh, my God. And you go to any given country, you turn on the channels. Let's say their channels uh, on a television. One, three, five, seven, nine. Same, same shit. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's, it's, It's not allowing us to be in our own space and our own quietness. So to, to leap to a different topic, 
when I'm teaching, these, these are some of the questions I, I query my students, not only their nutrition, their exercise, their meditation, their knowledge of Reiki, but how often they use social media or mass media. Mm-hmm. And, and some people have brought it down very close to zero, which is cool. But a lot of people are still, well, social media, two or three hours and television, probably an hour before I go to bed. Yeah. And then they say, oh, but I can't meditate. You can't meditate because you have six hours of shit coming into your mind every day, 365 days a year, multiplied by 27 years or 54 years, whatever your age. So, of course, you cannot get peace or silence or focus or concentration or essence or know yourself because you are overloaded with toxic information, which is energy. The mass media is a extremely powerful energy. And and even so-called, let's say something like Facebook is an alternative to CNN, BBC. No, it's not. It's a gigantic corporation that owns you and all your information and everything that you have publicly thought seen observed or visited it's this there's no alternative and i think we're still in the machine yeah that's so important to be aware of this happening because it's at least for me it was so normal to like oh yeah everybody has like their when i look on their phone their, their three hours spent on instagram or five hours a day on their phone in general and that seems just normal the numbers are still going up i think right now in, in today's time, especially with COVID, the numbers of screen time even go up. And it's really, really important to know that everything you take in has an impact. It's not like, oh, I'm watching like 25 murders every single day in the media and it doesn't have yeah. an impact on you. It's, it's, it's impossible. And it, especially because even when you visualize things or when you ha- see things, your brain doesn't know if it's real happening in front of you or it's just the screen. So if your brain is like, oh, wait, there's a murder over there. Oh, well, every day. <laughs> so it, it's, it's quite a, quite a uh, confusing thing for the brain to understand. This is just happening somewhere in the world. It's not affecting you right now directly um, because it's so close. It's just right there. And mm-hmm. but it, that leads me now to the like after the understanding or being aware of it is, as you said, like reducing that intake is so important. But I think I, I did want it to go still in the direction of intention. I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm getting the bridge right, but, but I, I do want to go like, how can you then direct your energy towards a um, beneficial direction, like using intention to really um, construct your life, uh, create your life in a, in a more... Um, yeah, I guess just self-empowered way. Does that make sense, that question? It was very long. Yes, yes. It's, it's very hard for me to answer, but I'm happy to plunge in yeah. uh, to it with you, Julian, because I know we're on a very similar path. And, uh, and I was, you know, speaking from the gut is we have wishful thinking that, you know, I want a new car, I want a beautiful partner, or I want lots of money, those kind of things. But intention... I'm having trouble getting right to the point. It's, it takes effort. It takes concentration. 
I think it probably takes a certain amount of faith, a certain kind of, let's call it belief at the moment, that this can be, this mm -hmm. is a potential. So I know it's a potential. And when we set the intention, this is where I'm going. As intent is when I'm driving in the car and I'm going to meet Julian for lunch at one o'clock. I set that intention and I go. When I make a, a, an, an analogy like that, it may, it may, it's real simple. I know where I'm going. My car doesn't make my decisions for me. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I just have an ordinary old Toyota. So I make the decisions in the car. If we come back to the mind and we set the intention is, I want to be healthy. That intention has to be so strong as, well, how do I get there? Exercise? Yes. Social media? Probably not. Meditation? Yes. Alcohol? No. Plant-based foods? Yes. Eating denatured, uh, denuded dead foods? No. Being overweight? No. Being fit, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you get that's, the point, yeah. That, yeah, that's my direction. That's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. If we go along the lines about manifestation and the secret, the big secret, the top secret, I, I don't really want to go there because, sorry, I think that's a bunch of, not, not that I don't believe those things. I think it's a bunch of marketing hype, selling teachers and expensive courses to get people to think that you need this course to set your attention and to fulfill your secrets. Bullshit. You do not need a teacher for all of those things. Teachers can be helpful. No doubt. I'm a teacher. So I have a little <laughs> bit of use in this world, but I'll be straightforward is you don't need me to teach you Reiki. You need to be aware of it. You need to be able to set intentions. You need to practice. You need to develop your lifestyle consistent with your intention. Yeah. And you, when you when you lose that intention, like when you're uh, meditating and you're trying to keep silent, but then you're thinking it's like, oh, I need to take care of this. Got to get the car fixed. And I got something wrong with my toe. It's like, hey, we'll come back. We'll do that tomorrow. The intention is is calmness of mind or focus of mind. But as meditators, we know the mind always gets distracted and we come back. Our intention is to be with the present breath, the present moment. That's intention. The same is true for every other aspect of our lives. If we want a, a new job or things like that, well, you need to do all the steps prepared for it. So we can give some credit to The Secret, Top Secret. I forget the name of all those yeah, books yeah. and videos that came just out. Just The Secret, I think, was called the book. Yeah, no, just The Secret. And, and yeah. I think one follow-up to it. One mm -hmm. follow-up to it. Uh, which is good because it helps empower people. I hope yeah. it empowers people rather than simply enriching the authors. So, so, so I do give credit. And I respect that. Wow, they opened up an avenue here. But what happens in our in our highly uh, commercialized world is anything good becomes a product and then be mm. becomes commercialized or can I say mercantilized? Is that a word? 
I don't know that word, word, but I get the meaning, I think. Yeah. Um, Just being yeah, like, it becomes, yeah. Yeah, People it, try it, to it becomes it. a problem. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is true with yoga. Yoga is brilliant for thousands of years. Now it's a course, how to take good selfies while I'm doing a headstand. And Reiki is like this. Okay, Julian teaches Reiki one. I have Reiki two, but Julian has Reiki three. Or Tom has Reiki four, five, and six. Julian has Reiki seven. I have Reiki eleven. I got you, Julian. Uh, I got you. You won. The greatest hyper master karma volcanic Egyptian guru Reiki, and I give you a certificate, all for ten thousand dollars. And I'm I'm doing hyperbolic at the yeah, moment because yeah. when you go online and if somebody doesn't know Reiki and they see Reiki in the title of our talk today and they say, hey, let me see what Reiki is. That's what you're going to see. Reiki one, Reiki two, Reiki three. I don't know the, the terms in, let's say it's uh, $500, $1,000, $2,000 in U.S. currency. I, I'm not sure the prices, but yeah. it's been turned into a product. And, and most things like the secret or even meditation or fasting, mm. uh, you, you name it, it has been turned into a product. Yeah, but um, uh, the, just just coming back to the notion of intention, because I think that's the underlying thing that uh, as you came then from the secret as well, like at least that that's what I got from actually reading it. Like, okay, you really have to set an intention in order to, get somewhere anywhere any any idea of of thing that fulfills you if you want to have it you have to set an intention you have to have a notion of it and i do like that idea and recently due to learning spanish um the the word there's a word called uh intentar i think um yeah. it's called and okay. it's the meaning of it is sort of an attempt like you are attempting something or trying something and that I found really interesting or applicable to uh, the intention because that was obviously coming from, from the root of intention. And so basically in Spanish, it's like, if you try to do something, it's intentar. And so with intention, you, you set the idea of, I will try to get there. And I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now that explains it a bit, a bit uh, very nicely for me, at least just to you, you have an idea of what you want to create. And you just try it out and you just, you know, start your, set your mind in that direction and see where it leads you basically. Because the mind is, it's, it's a great tool, uh, a problem solver and a great achiever. So you have to just set it a direction and it will do its thing to get you there. Now it's been mostly Ooh. set towards the, um, the uh, negative media, let's say, just to, for you to try to survive, right? So the, the brain is, is your survival tool so far and looks out for everything negative. But the same way, you can also use it then to um, bring it in, the, in a direction you would like to. You have an attention towards. So when you set the intention to, oh, I want to create, a, for me, for example, right now, I want to create a lifestyle where I can help other people, where I can travel around the world and learn a lot of things. And at the same time, still like, have more time for my personal development i was like how is that possible that was me three years ago and it slowly like <laughs> slowly but surely got in the direction of like oh wait i do like coaching a lot just 
sitting with people and trying to figure out how, how they can improve their life. And then slowly I got a job, then the pandemic hit, everything was online uh, and it all sort of came together. I was prepared because I did then online workshops and just tried to get notch by notch in that direction. And well, since this year I'm traveling and working and, and I have still time for my personal development, which is crazy to realize right now that it actually worked out. I hear you. Brilliant, brilliant stuff going on there, Julian. Although, although it's it's a bit weird that I, I don't want to say weird. I don't want to criticize. Um, I'll just, I'll just challenge the word. Go, go ahead. Yes. That that I don't know how to get this on the because I'm looking at a camera here. Yeah. How self development is any different from what I do with my day to day life? Oh, I don't they think it is. The yeah. way I cut the grass. The way I feed my, my my pet fish, the way I plant my trees, the way I drive my car, the way I greet my neighbor, the way I deal with my dentist, I, you name it, all mm. of those things are self-development. So whether you're teaching me or I'm teaching you, same difference. We're learning from each other. Beautiful that you point that out. Yes, that's yeah. exactly true. The only the only thing that I would like to add there is why I why I pointed out I want to have time for it was I did not want to have a 40, 50 hour work week oh, right. that yeah. that I need yeah. the time to calm down from the stress that I had before in order to just get back to the baseline without having the time to actually reflect on things, meditate, or get back to my center. I think that's that's what I meant with the the time to for self development, yeah. Yes, yes. Well put. And if I could uh, uh, summarize that our different things that we've shared in the last three or four minutes is very often people will I use meditation as an example. They only meditate, but throughout their day, no mindfulness at all. Other people will say, "Oh, I just practice mindfulness all day," but they have no meditation. But it's the synthesis of at 7 a.m. I do a, a intention is very strong to be very, very concentrated. And then that resonates throughout the day as a relatively mindful day. And then at night, let's say nine o'clock, I sit down and I set my intention. I'm going to meditate again for whatever amount of time. Doesn't matter. Half an hour. Let's call it that. We set the intention. So there, there, and I'm glad you brought that up. Too. There is a definite time, which is dedicated time, which will resonate throughout the day. Yeah. Something that's come up, uh, and I want to come back to intention because you've brought me back to it uh, one or two occasions already. Yeah. And, and, so, and so, so it's taken this much time for me to, to set the intention to talk about intention. <laughs> As I'm pretty sure, the first thing is you have to truly know yourself which no teacher can tell you who you are. You can only know who you are. And we do this through reflective practices, meditation or mindfulness practice. I think people who do yoga will say, oh yeah, yoga also, or some of the other um, oriental arts, such as Tai Chi or Qigong. 
would also like to add reflective. journaling actually to it. I most oh, of the time yeah, suggest people start journaling to get figure out what your mind is doing over there. Because when you have it on paper, you're like, oh, wait, I'm thinking this all the time. Oh, yesterday I thought the same things. Fuck, what's happening? <laughs> Wonderful. And, and journaling of dreams also. Yeah. Journaling of dreams. I'm glad you brought that up. Only recently, I have a new student coming in uh, in July. And I'm thinking one of the first things I'll suggest is get a journal. And let's start our journey. And maybe later today, I'll have a talk with this student and say, hey, get a journal. So my meditation was like this. Come to think of it, I've been journaling for like 40 years. I, I just never called it journaling. Yeah, that, That's a relatively new term. Back in the 70s, I started writing stuff out as a teenager. Exactly. I, I, journaling was not a word. <laughs> it's a relatively knew that we hear it but you're right it's very powerful and it's self-reflective whether it's our dreams or our awake state or our behaviors our success our failures our eating patterns yeah so knowing yourself and once you know yourself to, to whichever level and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper deeper than we we may even know until maybe maybe we touched on it so we get that silence where there is mm. there is no narrator up here saying, but you should join the course, but you should go to Moscow for that special convention, but you should say, oh, I've been to Tokyo, all, all that shit. You get to the silence. There's no narrator. There's no narrator. Uh, um, editor is the second word. Mm. No narrator, no editor, no videographer. No programmer. It's just that silent stuff, which is the true, I'm saying, is the true self. So you need to know it and you have to be true to it. If I know that it's wrong to, to drink alcohol because it upsets, it upsets my spiritual path, there's nothing wrong with alcohol by itself unless it's upsetting your physical health then you need to stop. If it's upsetting your relationships or your psychological, spiritual health, then you need to stop. So once you know that, you have to be true to that truth, true to yourself. And this happens with people with careers. And a lot of my students are probably your age, like probably 25 to 45. Mm -hmm. So the, the career is a big thing. Yep. If your career is not true to you, okay, making money, well, let's not even talk about that. You need to make money, no doubt. But if you are not true to your career, to your career, you're not going to be very successful. And if your career is not true to you, you're not going to be very fulfilled. You're not going to get to your essence. You're not going to reach your intentions because you're not being true. So that silence, and let's summarize for a moment, how do we get to the silence? Meditation, exercise, especially cardio, time with nature, time with animals, eating a plant-based diet, practicing either Reiki or yoga or Tai Chi or Qigong or some other art of those forms. I've forgotten many and I know yeah. any of those forms will help you focus. Journaling journaling your dreams, reflecting, 
being true to all of those things, being true to yourself, being true to your neighbors, to your friends, to your students and your teachers. And at the end of the day, true to the universe or true to God or true to spirit or true to the energy or true to the prana. There's so many different words we can use. Be true to all of that. However, each person in the audience may conceptualize it. I, I'm open to all of those conceptualizations. Be true to yourself and you are therefore true to the universe. Be true to yourself, you are being true to God. Be true to your own life, be true to the lives of all living beings. And then your intentions are empowered by truth. <laughs> Just let that sit for a moment. I think that was so yeah. powerful the way you expressed it, the way you very clearly stated it. I think that was very, very nice. And I was already thinking that is a great, great ending. If you like, that is sort of the essence of what you said of beforehand with Reiki, like the life force energy, you need to uh, use it for yourself. And it's, it's just you in a way. And um, in order for you to understand it, to use it, to understand mm. how it's in the, in the outer world, you need to go inside, notice it within you, notice how you reflect it outwards. And uh, that was a beautiful summary I felt from everything that we talked before. But that was wonderful. And um, yeah, I, I think if you do, no, I do want to give you another, uh, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute for something that you feel we didn't cover yet or a question that I didn't ask. For you to express that. Silence, Julian. <laughs> silence in the audible sense. Silence in the mental sense. Silence in the theoretical sense. Silence in the cultural sense, which means Turn off your culture. Silence in the language sense. Turn off the language. Silence in the uh, political sense. Turn off your political views, your economic views, your, your biases, your prejudices, any of that noise and whichever realm of human life that we're gonna talk about, there's gonna be noise and there's gonna be silence. Go for the silence and then you will know. And you don't know using the brain or that mind, which we really cannot control. You will know deep within. I have no idea where it is. I just touch my heart because it feels like that's where it's at. Get into that silence. If that is your intention, then worlds of wisdom will come. If I can use an analogy here uh, to talk about music, because I've, I've recently returned to the piano after like three decades without playing, and, and I love musical metaphor. The difference between playing notes and playing music. Anybody can play the note. That's a C, 
That's a F sharp. That's an A flat. That's a half note. We can read that. I can play that on the piano or guitar. But to play the music, mm, worlds, worlds beyond a piece of paper with a bunch of black dots and squiggly lines and a bunch of Italian language, which I have to look up in a dictionary to say, oh, pianissimo or crescendo. Now you need those things, you need those instructions, but to be able to be able to go up like this and to be able to come down like that, that's music. And in between every musical note, what is there? Silence, the gap. You got it. There's a gap. There's a gap. I think Schubert talked about this back probably around 1800 or so. Somewhere he's quoted as saying, uh, sorry, I'm not sure if it was Schubert or Liszt. It's, it's too long ago that I remembered it. But, but the quote is what's important. It's the gap between the notes. So it's a second stage of our awareness. It's, I see my thoughts. And then I see the gap between my thoughts. And then I see my next thought. And it's that silence, that essential part of us is where the wisdom comes through. And I think that reason you and I are talking is because we are seeking wisdom. That's why all of us met at that table of, let's say there were 30 people at that event a few months ago uh, here in Chiang Mai. But somehow, I think there were five or six of us for, for the main dinner talking totally on the same wavelength. And I don't know about you, but I totally tuned out. Everybody else was cool and I chatted with them. But I didn't bond. I didn't go into it because I didn't feel the wisdom connection. Something when you, you don't went... know about that meeting and about how we selected, because you were sitting there already with Abu and, and uh, Upen, that yes. Caro and I were standing in the room. We're looking around. And Caro <laughs> said, I want to sit over there. And that's how wow. we ended up there. Because we felt the energy. We felt like we very consciously went into that meeting, looked around, and decided to go to that table because the energy over there was nice. <laughs> that's the I'm, full I'm, circle. <laughs> that's brilliant. And, and I have to confess, I always do that. Whenever there's a, a random gathering of 25 people, I stay standing until I see the energy with whom I want to sit. And it might be, you know, it might be a beautiful woman. It might be a young guy. It could be a, a bearded fella. It could be an old guy, a very, very young person. Like, and, and I won't sit down, but I'll start talking with that person for a couple of minutes. Mm. And yeah, I, okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm making a judgment. Are we going to resonate with each other? And once we start resonating, I, you didn't see this because I was at the event earlier. There were a table of about 20 people long. And I was sitting chit-chatting about travels in Bangkok and Thailand. I've been in Thailand a long time. I can answer a lot of questions. I'm, you know, I'm cool with that. When Abu and uh, Upen came in, I thought, oh, wow, you guys came. I had uh, We met each other once before, and I know they're really beautiful people. So immediately I, I excused myself from the conversation I was having, and I moved over to that table and just three of us were sitting. And when you and uh, Carolina walked over, I, I didn't know yet, 
I didn't know because I was already sitting. And within a few minutes, it was just like, well, you're, you're pretty cool. And, you know, we all adjusted our ears to the, our different dialects. There are like five, we represented what, five different nations. So five different dialects of English. Yeah. And it's just like, it just, it, but uh, the synergy of yeah. what, what we did, whether we talked about energy or God or the books we were writing or the ice cream that we shared, vegan ice cream with tons of chocolate and coconut. Oh, what an evening. What yeah. an evening. And, and, and the core cutting back was the wisdom. And at least you and I definitely had the intention. I want to sit, uh, sit down with people who will help enhance my life and whose life I can enhance. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> Tom. Thank you so much for joining me again to, I guess, a round table like we had in Chiang Mai to talk about cool stuff, to talk about life enhancing um, energies and to just spread more of this beautiful tool that we have, which is called, no, which is who we are, which is what we are, the energy. Yes. Beautiful. So thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thank you for reaching out, ton. getting in touch yes. with you. And we'll see you hopefully in person one day soon. If not, we'll catch up uh, by telephone. That would be amazing to see each other in person again. Yeah. Whenever okay. that's going to happen. We set the intention <laughs> and we'll see what the universe yeah. does. <laughs> Wonderful. Take care of yourself. Have a good night. Thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with me and my guest. This podcast is one way of making the world a better place by sharing personal experiences and opening our minds. Another way that I love is coaching. And I know it's not accessible for everyone, so I would like to gift each month a session to one of you. So if you want to get clarity for your next steps, align more with yourself, and change your perspective, just send me an email to eulamerten.coaching at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and stay curious about what life has to offer.